Today we're talking on our fourth value, if you haven't been with us the last few weeks, we're going through our five values on the wall there, who we are as a church, not what we do, but who we are, and so we want those five things to be in every single thing. We want you, if you call this church home, uh, we would love us to continue growing in those five things individually and as a body together, and so we are Christ-centered, and I, I know I say this a lot, but I can't stress this enough. We just, as a church and individually, We're just focusing on being Christ-centered, right? Like if we just focus on staying in a healthy, loving, living relationship with Jesus Christ, the other four become very natural fruits or overflow byproducts of of having that relationship with God. Otherwise, the other four can become religion. And so we, but as a natural overflow and fruit of being in a healthy, loving relationship with Jesus, we are outward-focused, servant-hearted, disciple-making, and prayer-empowered. And so it's been a lot of... A lot of fun. It's been really great to go through those the last three weeks. Any people here last week for Pastor Eric who preached on Servant Hearted? How incredible was that to have Pastor Eric and Christine back? I love these guys. They um, started our church 38 years ago, if you're new with us, and then uh, three and a half years ago, for some strange reason, handed the church to Hannah and I, just so you guys could pretty much surf more and drink more coffee, but they still pretty much carry the weight here and, and the parents. But they, the movement, the C3, we're in uh, C3 movement, keeps using these guys to rescue churches. And so we had a, a church in the Philippines we nearly lost, it, it, you know, the bad situation and so they went and rescued it for four months they were there just no long a year sorry you're in four months in Port Macquarie a year and a bit there uh, just going over and, and making sure that church is which it still is alive today thank you so much and then they went they did such a good job it was like a week after they sent you guys to Port Macquarie and you did it every single weekend for four months there and just a couple of weeks ago, handed it on to some new pastors and so love having these guys back one more time can we thank them for everything they do Love them. And so today we're going to go through disciple making. And, uh, and here, here's the big thing. Uh, the big thing I want us to catch today that I think uh, we as a church, it's ha- we're having a lot of fun readjusting and refocusing, coming back to the heartbeat of discipleship. But here's the thing I want us to catch. It's not something you do, it's someone you are. Cool. Disciple making is not something you do, it's someone you are. You either are a disciple maker or you are not. And it's not like a degree. You do not have to study and and qualify and and do all these tests to start making disciples. Here's a simple statement, the way we want to word it. We do life together. You want to be a disciple maker for Jesus? We do life together. We share the ups and we share the downs, we share the boring, we share the exciting, we just share it all. And in doing life together, you are going to impart who you are as a person, not what you say. You are going to start imparting who you are as a person to someone else. And lo and behold, you're making disciples, baby. Come on now, you're on this thing. Let's do it. It was like a day. All the dads, you might empathize with me here, but it was like the first day where I learned a reminder of a valuable lesson on Thursday, where I currently get home at, you know, 4.30, 5 o'clock after work here, and that's just like, kids are just feral at that time of day. Like, it's just before dinner, and they're a bit tired, and they're just disgusting. Like, there's toys everywhere, and they're fighting, and there's aggression, and mum's cooking dinner, and the house is hot because the oven's on. It's just like I walk into this disgusting place. It's like a taste of Hades, but like... (laughs) 
always tempted to be like, oh, babe, that last minute meeting just popped up. I've got to go and go down to Bergster. But uh, as, I, as I come home, and, and dad, you might empathize with me, like we've got, it's like a routine. You've got to like click on mentally. You've got to go, cool, I'm coming home and I can't get frustrated at the kids. I've got to just en- engage and, and hang out and play and wrestle on the floor and lighten the load for mum and help out if she wants help in the kitchen. But normally she wants break because she's had them all day. She's like, I will happily cook if you take those things away from me. It's like, okay. And so like playing and then it's like a great dinner and then bath time and then books and then bed. It's, it's routine, Right. It's easy. We get in that rhythm. It's, it's a routine. And it was like 24 hours into it, I was reminded of a valuable lesson that when, you, when you're the stay-at-home parent, routine's good, but it's so much more than routine. It's, they will, those little things, those beings of existence will not just do what you say. Most of the time they won't do what you say. They'll catch who you are. And so I'm sitting there and able to my, my 17-month-old kid, he can't talk, and so he's just like constantly like, ah, 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 it's like, oh, gosh, like, what do you want? Everything. You're going you're gonna to think I'm like, everything is doo-doo, and so I'm like, what? And so, doo-doo, there's a bird outside, like, is that doo-doo? He's like, ha, ah, doo-doo, I'm like, birdie? Okay. We go inside and there's like, doo-doo, points. I'm like, there's nothing but like your blanket you sleep with. Do you want, and I pick that up. He's like, doo-doo. I'm like, what the heck? Why is everything that? But I get so frustrated. And I was like, I bought my humanity coming out and not perfected yet, right? And so we were like at home and I was cooking dinner and the kids are going crazy. And I'm like, Abel, you're so frustrating. Just stop it. Anyway, cooking dinner. The next morning. We get in the car and we're like driving to the creek and Abel's doing the same sound. I'm just blocking him out and I'm like, whatever. And Dawn goes, Abel, you're so frustrating. <laughs> Honey, uh, does, does mum say that a lot? <laughs> Such a quick reminder that it... Doing life with these kids so much more than what I tell them. Don't do this. Do this. They they barely listen to that. They watch you, right? These little imitators. And I'm thinking, man, I know. I I could tell Dawn how to be a good person, but that's not it. She's copying me. She's copying me. She's watching me. She's watching how I talk to people. She's watching whether I love church or not. She's watching how I treat Anne. She's watching how I treat Abel. She's copying me. See, that, that thing about imparting your life and doing life together, I just want to let you guys know now, because sometimes people freak out and they're like, I, I don't know what to say when I'm discipling someone. I don't want to say when I'm catching up for coffee. It, honestly, it, most of it doesn't even matter what you say. Most of it matters just who are you in that meeting. Because you can say the right thing, but if people don't, you know that old cliche, they don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. That is so true. You could say the right thing and someone's going to be like, I-, I never want to have coffee with you again. I never want to have you over for dinner again. It's not about saying the right thing or knowing what to say. He's, he's the one thing, just constantly, it's about who you are. They're going to catch who you are. So I was catching up with Ben Sinclair last week, I think it was for coffee, and uh, it was like one of the best compliments I've ever had in my life. He's like, thank you. Every time we catch up, you just point me to Jesus. And I'm like, 
I'm happy with that. If I'm going to be known as something on my tombstone, like I'm pretty happy with that. Like it's not like I, I don't always know what to say. I'm going to let you guys know now. When I'm trying to disciple someone, I don't know what to say all the time. People are going through seasons of life I've never been in. I've never studied it in scripture. I've never read about it in history. Like I don't know, but I know I can love them and I know I can point them to Jesus. And if we just focus on we're just doing life together, we're just hanging out having fun, making disciples of Jesus. Let's remember, I, I love this verse so much. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1, Paul says, imitate me as I imitate Christ. He's like, in other words, I'm just trying to make you a little Christ. That's what Christian actually means. First used in Acts 11 in Antioch. It actually means little Christ. And so discipling someone, I'm not trying to make you me because I've got so many faults. Just come and hang out at my house while Han's not there just for a minute. I've got so many faults. I'm not trying to make you me. I'm trying to point you to Jesus. And in doing so, the phenomenal things happen. It does change someone when we impart our lives. When I first went down to Sydney uh, to do Bible college just after high school, and I'm a December baby, and so I, was, uh, I just turned 17. It was like a month after my 17th birthday. I went to Sydney and to do two years of Bible college. And as I got there, connect groups in our movement were just kind of taking off. And so they're like, oh, we do connect groups. That's what we do. Like, okay, like, I don't know any better. So six months in, started connect group. I was at youth. We were youth leading under James Murray. And I just remember there were just like these feral kids at the back, like the ones who like broke chairs, who always caused a ruckus, who just wrestled at the end of every single service and during the preach and the altar call, like that, that was it. They were just there. And I, I still remember going to talk to them about starting a connect group and they were wrestling while I'm talking to them. And so I'm there and I'm like, guys, I'm going to start a connect group. You want to come? They're like, what's a connect group? And I'm like, Pretty much, we just go surfing. I had no idea what to say. And so I was like, oh, let's just go for a surf. And so honestly, like I, I love surfing to this day. I don't get to do it enough anymore. But I, I'm just like, let's go surfing. And so that Thursday, three of us went surfing. And that's what we did. We went surfing at Motorvale. We'd come in. I was this poor college student. I worked at Red Rooster for a couple of months until I got so depressed I quit. And so I'm, I had no money and I'm there. And so what I would do is buy a dollar uh, like a packet of shapes, have it in my car, we'd go surfing, we'd come back to the car park, we'd share a packet of shapes, all these wet, soggy hands going in the bottoms, just like a slushy, it's like gross, but, and then we just, hey, how's your week, how's your mum and dad doing, like, how's school, awesome, like, cool, the end of that, anything we can pray about, let's just pick one thing, and you just pray for the person on your left, is that cool, and you're like, okay, God, thank you for this idiot, <laughs> like, that's how it started, like, that's actually how it started. It was just weird. And I'm like, whatever. I'm just going to keep going on this. And so it started building. And so I'm just getting all the young survey kids. And they're like 16 and 17. They were my age, actually. One of them was older. But we're just surfing and hanging out and because and, the... New South Wales thing, they're still in school. So I was their youth leader, but I was younger than one. Anyway, and so we're just surfing, literally. We'd come back in and chat and pray. And they're like, because they felt so connected there, they started bringing their friends. And so literally, the group by the end, we had 15 people coming to that connect group and four, 
five of them started their own connect group in school. And so I had to start another one. You know, you're not married, no kids, you've got a lot of time, right? And so I started a D group with the guys with a connect group. And so we'd do a Bible study once every two weeks. And then once every two weeks, I'd go surfing with these guys, come back. I have to have like three packets of chips by that point. But we're just like, chips in the moment of our car park. How's your week? Yep, awesome. Can we pray about anything? Just casual, simple. We don't want to get too, you know, the teenage guys. Let's not get too deep or anything like that. And lo and behold, they all start coming up and telling me when things are going wrong in their world, when something's going on with their parents, when something's going on at school. And at the end, like these guys, once again, they were just the, the rats, the day I moved home, it was uh, we did Friday night youth, and then we did a big farewell. I had dinner with a couple of them. Saturday morning, I had like a 6 a.m. flight to move back, and, and, and we'd stayed up till, I think it was about 1 a.m., and then I had to clean the house. I got like two hours sleep, and I'm at the airport so tired. The five guys who had started Connect Group, who uh, I then started D Group with, rock up at 6 a.m. at Sydney Airport at my gate fully suited up to wish me God goodbye. I, I have a photo. I couldn't find it. I've got to get this photo. It's on disc somewhere at home. But I'm just sitting there with these 18-year-old dudes, fully suited up, just like, we want to thank you for everything you did for us the last few years. Like We loved it so much. And it was just such an incredible moment. One of them, one of them was coming here until he married Nina Gorkroger. Nina Coy moved back to Sydney. Some of you guys remember Sam Gorkroger. He was one of them with his brother. So these guys are still leading down at Hillsong now in Sydney and doing incredible things for God. And I've got to tell you something. I had no idea what I was doing when I started. I just started. I didn't do anything. I surfed. I like sur I, I did what I like. It was a selfish start. I'm like, I want to go surfing. So who wants to come with me? Like, I, I did what I enjoy. I, I had fun with it. And then we just did some, some snacks or things or go out to dinner every now and again. When you share life with people, do what you love doing, and then just take someone with you, you're, you're making disciples. We're, we're getting this thing back to where we want it. This year, we did decide to shake things up and... Uh, Really can't stress enough. It's not because, uh, we, so, sorry if you're new, we've decided to not do Connects for six months as a church, come back to the heartbeat of what is discipleship as a church before we relaunch uh, new groups start in July, the start of July. And we really, I can't stress enough, I really want to encourage you guys, it wasn't because Connect groups were unhealthy. I want you to know, it wasn't that Connect groups were unhealthy. We just wanted to come back to the heart to get on the same page of what does Scripture talk about with discipleship? What does Jesus mean when he says, go and make disciples? Let's focus on that for six months before we relaunch again. And so today, being disciple-making, we're really coming back to that heartbeat, that center of it all, which if I could just sum up, with, we've got three things on our cards. We're going to talk about all three today. But I just really like that simple thing of, hey, let's do life together. Let, let's do life together. And so uh, we've got 11, all right, 15, I can do this, 15 minutes. We're going to read out of Matthew 4, if you've got your Bible, head on over to Matthew chapter 4, picking up in verse 14. If you don't have a Bible, it's on the screen for you, and I'll read out of the NLT today. It's the end of a prophecy. I know I pick it up mid-thought, but I just want to catch the end of this prophecy about Jesus and then what Jesus did next. Verse 14. 
This fulfilled what God said through the prophet Isaiah. In the land of Zebulun and of Naphtali, beside the sea, beyond the Jordan River, in Galilee, where so many Gentiles live, so many of not God's people live, the people who sat in darkness have seen a great light. I'm going to read that one bit again. I really want to catch this. The people who sat in darkness have seen a great light. For those who lived in the land where death casts its shadow and light has shined. Oh, I like that. From then on, Jesus began to preach, repent of your sins, turn to God, for the kingdom of heaven is near. One day, this is the next verse. We haven't even gone to another passage. One day, as Jesus was walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who was also called Peter, and Andrew, throwing a net into the water, for they fished for a living. And Jesus called out to them, Come, follow me, and I will show you how to fish for people. They left their nets and at once followed him. Is that cool? Is that a beautiful verse? Can we pray? Jesus, we love you. We love you so much. God, we just thank you so much as we look at this scripture right now that you would give us revelation. Speak to us, Holy Spirit, and speak through me. Anything I make up, just make it fall to the ground. No one remember it. But what's inspired from you, God, may it just bring us life and joy and peace. We thank you so much that we, we want to be disciples of you, God. We want to be disciples of yours, Jesus. So grow us, challenge us, shape us, call us out. In Jesus' name, amen. I, um, I love this passage so much. I was talking to a friend of mine uh, a month ago, James Edwards. He's the campus pastor at C3 Oxford Falls. And talking about our focus this year and our cards and the, the, the plan with discipleship. And I was like, this is what we're focusing on now, just that culture. Three things. It's on our focus cards at the back. This year, our focus is three things as discipleship. We want to grow in Christ, love the lost, enjoy life together. I was like, look, you know, it's just our team came up with it. We've been chatting for months and months and months about this and praying through what it could look like. And this is something we settled on. He's like, oh, man, have you read Wiki Church? I'm like, I have it. I bought it at an op shop for a dollar because I do that. I go to the theology section, just buy books I've heard of. And so I've, I've got it on my bookshelf up there. Never read it. Have no idea what it's about. But someone at one point in time recommended it to me. He's like, have you so you've never read it? And I'm like, I've never read it. I have no idea what it's about. But Wiki Church, good, really good book. He's like, you know, the whole book's about discipleship, right? I'm like, awesome. That might come in handy this year. He's like, you know, the book is about three things, right? It comes out of Matthew chapter 4. It's like, what? He's like, three things. When Jesus said, come follow me and I'll make you fishers of men, they left their nets immediately. The three things that, that the author of the book says that every disciple should be focusing on, one is fellowship with Jesus, one is fishing for men, and one is, uh, no, following Jesus, fishing for men, fellowship together. And I was like, wait a minute, what? Fellowship, following Jesus. I was like, well, ours is growing in Christ. I was like, oh, fishing for men. Ours is loving the lost. He said, and fellowship, fellowship with believers. And I was like, enjoying life together. I'm looking at this guy. He's like, you, you, your team has summed up the three things in this book perfectly coming out of this passage. I was like, guys, we're onto something. Come on now. Let's keep this thing going. We're going to write another book. That, or discover it's already been written, but we didn't know about it. But let's just keep going anyway. 
What, what, what an encouragement for us to have three things. Truly is a heartbeat. I feel like God is breathing that into our entire church to grow a constant, not just six months, not just a year, for us to endeavor for the rest of our lives to grow in Christ, to grow in our knowledge of who He is, our knowledge of what He did for us on the cross, and our, our knowledge of who we are in Him. Now that we're new creations, let's, let's, let's always endeavor to grow in Christ. Let, let's always strive to love the lost. Let's always strive to, to not just have a, a billboard up that says you are loved, but be a church that lives a message you are loved. Like, come as you are. Yes, you get free lunch. Yes, you'll get invited out to hang out with someone. Yes, you're welcome here. As you are, let's, let's strive to love the lost and let's enjoy life together. I don't want to do a leaders meeting just for the sake of a leaders meeting. I want a Mexican fiesta. I want to have fun. I want to have something. Let's enjoy life together. And, and as I'm reading this passage, I just see the most beautiful thing that, that Jesus is leading us into that, that we can look at. Now, the first thing I really love, that bit's not my first point, sorry, Nalani, but that first thing we have to see, I got you guys to stop and focus on it. It is so important that we get the start right here. Jesus said the prophecy was, a light has shone in darkness. A light a light, a good thing, shone in darkness. And then he went around preaching, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. I need us to catch this so bad. You just listen. I know, I know you're listening. Right, anyway. Too many times I hear Christians use the word repent in a condemning, judging, you're living life the wrong way, start living life the right way kind of way. And I don't think that's how Jesus presented it here. The word repent does mean to turn 180, to turn around from what you're doing to face here. But I refuse to believe that Jesus went around, he started his ministry and he went around going, repent, filthy sinners, disgusting. So you better repent and because the kingdom of heaven's coming and boy, howdy is my dad going to whoop you if you haven't repented like... He's, he's got his belt out, he's cracking it, and he is ready to discipline some bearers of his image on this earth who are sinning horribly. I think that really fits the, uh, the grace-loving God that we worship, don't you? I think that, but people believe that. They're like, Jesus went around with a frown on his face. Repent. That's not a light in darkness. That's darkness. Where there once was light. Like that's. Instead, if the very, the verse just before it, light has shined. Light. God is, God is light. Then he goes around, repent. I want you to hear the love. I want you to hear the hope in his message of repent. It's not you better repent. It's guys, turn to me. This world is darkness. This world is, is filled with brokenness and hopelessness and pain. Turn to me. I'm filled with love. I'm filled with joy. I'm filled with peace. I, I want to change you. I want to make you whole. I want to heal you. Uh, you were created to be in relationship with me. Like, turn, turn to me. Come back. And, and Jesus is, is longing 
So many, he's like, oh, oh, Israel, how many times I longed for you to turn to me like a mother hen. I, I wanted to bring you close to myself. Jesus is always doing this in love. Let's not be a church that is known for a message of repentance, which we do need to be known for, but not out of you have to. Let us be known for a message of repentance out of love. It's not you're living horribly. It's, guys, God has so much more for you. You were created for Him. I promise you, in Him, when you're in Him, you'll have a joy you've never experienced. You'll have a love you've never experienced. You'll have a peace you've never experienced. I beg you, repent, turn to Him. I beg you, come, come, come. The kingdom of heaven, it's so close. He's here. He's here. It's not like a judgment. It's like, it's here. Salvation. Turn. Accept me. This is Jesus' heartbeat in this. And, and here's what I want us to see. This is, this is a big thing. This is Jesus outrolling God's mission. This is God's mission. Is that people, His creation would turn to Him, right? We're not denying that. That is God's mission. Jesus was joining God's mission. The first thing I need you to see is that you were God's mission. The fact that you're here and you believe in Him and you call yourself a Christian, it shows that a loving God led you not to a rule book but to a Savior. And as you turned, you were loved and you were saved and you were forgiven and you were filled with hope and joy. You were God's mission. Don't know that. You need to know that. Don't write that down like, oh, yeah, okay, I'll read that again. Like, you need to get that. Jesus came for you. I meet so many Christians who are okay with saying Jesus came to save the world. They can say that. Can you say Jesus came to save you? Like, could you look in the mirror and go, God loves me so much, he came down to earth for me. There's a difference there. You can believe in a, in a blanket statement. Yeah, God loves people. Of course God loves people. God loves you. And it's not until you get that, that he's your saviour, not a saviour. God loves you. And as Jesus is joining God's mission, he's pulling us on. But here's, here's where it gets into discipleship now, which I just find so natural and so beautiful. It's once, once Jesus is on God's mission with God, it says the very next day he goes and finds some people. He finds some people, what they're doing. He goes into their world, what they're doing, and he says, come follow me. Three focuses for the year really are screamed in this passage. Number one, right, our goal for the year, we want to grow in Christ. We want to grow in Christ. That does not happen through you studying soteriology or some other kind of course online. That comes through you following Jesus. Whatever occupation you're doing, whatever stage of life you're in right now, if you are saying, God, I will follow you, that's the game changer. That's where growth comes in. When you start to really push into God, know you're loved by God, you're accepted by God when your faith is in Jesus. When you start to get that, you want to grow in Christ. And that doesn't come from, I say this a lot, but I need you to get it because it's just so crucial. Don't live for Jesus away from Jesus. 
don't live for Jesus away from Jesus. I need to be a good Christian at school, at my workplace, at home. I need to do these moral obligation things so I'm a good Christian. That's not the goal. The goal is just follow Jesus. Just talk to him. Just look for him when you're reading your Bible. Just praise him. God, you're so good. You're just so good. Thank you so much. I love you, God. Follow Jesus. Can we get Matthew 11 up, please? I, I often say that, you know, John 3.16, God so loved the world, he sent his only son. Whoever believe in him shall not perish but have eternal life. That's, that's the gospel to the non-Christian. This is the gospel to the Christian. This is the good news to the Christian. You ready? Are you tired? This is Jesus talking to you. Are you tired? Are you worn out? Are you burned out on religion? Then come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. I always picture like Homer Simpson when he says that. Like, you think you're taking a rest right now? Like, I'll show you how to take a rest. And I can't remember who he's doing it with. He has a stretching comp with someone. Homer. He's like, was it the carny? He goes to the carnival. (laughs) They go to a carnival and they see who can relax the most. And they're like, out stretching each other. But That's a bit God's like, you think you rest now? Like, he's, he's like, you think your day off is rest? You think that, that coffee's rest? You think that having a holiday, you think that's rest? Come to me, I'll show you a real rest. Because you'll be, you'll be on your holiday and you'll be serving, you'll be doing those things, which I love, and they're not evil. I'm not talking against them. I'm just saying there's a greater good. They're good things, great. But you go to God, that's a real rest. Those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They'll rise up on wings like eagles. They'll run and not grow weary. Let's go to God. I'll show you how to take a real rest. And then his invitation. It's not, okay, I'm going to fix you and then send you. Walk with me. Work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn. This is one of the most beautiful statements in all the Bible, isn't it? Learn. If you want to be a disciple, you're a learner. That's what a disciple is. You're a learner. Two things. Two things you never graduate from. Student, servant, just so you know. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. 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 I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn how to live freely and lightly. That is Jesus. That's Jesus. Why wouldn't you want to come follow him? Why wouldn't you want to? Over here, I'm doing all this in my own energy. I'm trying to be a better Christian. I'm trying to work out how to build a church. I'm trying to figure out how to make someone feel loved and accepted. I go to him and whew, cares are gone, burdens are gone. Everything I'm doing now, I get to, to lead and preach and love and this unforced rhythm of grace. Whew, it's easy. It's easy when I'm close to him, Amen. Second thing, come follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Strange statement, right? Strange statement when you and I read it. Come follow me, I'll make you fishers of men. What's he doing? Two things. Number one, well, the the point that we want you to get, love the lost. Love the lost. Fishers of men, love the lost. 
fishers of men. He's saying, uh, you're, you were good at this. I'm going to take what you're good at, this, this activity you've done your whole life, but I'm going to shift your focus from fish to people. I do not think, I refuse to believe that Jesus is saying, I'm going to show you in this really tricky way how to trick people into coming to church. Let's be fishers of men. Like you've, Technically, you trick a fish, right? You're like, hey, I'm just here to give you a free dinner. Ah, psych. Like you're tricking the fish. You're lulling it into a false sense of security. Let's not do that with people. Like, oh, man, come to church. They barely even talk about Jesus or anything like that. You wouldn't have to do anything weird. Uh, no, you can be okay. Like, it's going to be a little bit weird. <laughs> it's going to be a little bit weird. Like, they praise and we talk about money because we actually believe God gives us more joy in giving than receiving. So they're going to talk about money, just so you know. And, and uh, yep, they're going to take your kids upstairs, but they've all got blue cards. And, and that we, we do safety training with them twice a year, and so it's okay. But, like, there's some things that are weird here. There's some things, people lift their hands in worship. People might get prayed for at the end and fall over. People might be praying and start talking this weird gibberish. But like, it, it's okay, right? Like, we're not tricking them. Like sometimes people are like, oh man, come to church. It's, we just hang out and you get like free food. It's a bit more than that. Like don't, you don't have to trick them. I don't think Jesus is saying, I'm going to teach you how to trick people. I think he's saying, I want people to be your main focus. I want people to be your sole focus. People, people, the lost. That, the prophecy says he went to the Gentiles, not God's people. I picture, this is, the, this is the picture I love about this statement too. He's like, come follow me and I will make you fishers of men. The picture I love is that these guys have been fishermen their whole life, right? And so picture them as kids and their dad, these little brothers. Picture their dad teaching them how to like fish, throw the net out, mend the net when it broke, like you, you actually catch a fish. I, 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 caught, I think I told you guys, I went on holidays last October. And I bought a $5 reel from Kmart and a loaf of white bread just to get away from the kids. And I was like, oh, babe, get really getting into fishing. <laughs> hate fishing. <laughs> so I got bread because I don't want to smell like bait. But I caught this fish and it was like a keepable brim. And I'm like, what the flip do I do with it now? Like, oh, I don't have a knife. I don't have anything. But it's brim, sweet. So I pulled it up and I just had to get a rock and like smash it. And then, true story. <laughs> and then I'm sitting there out at the creek. Looking at YouTube, going, how do you descale and fillet a brim? And I'm watching like 17 minutes of YouTube clips like, I think I got this. <laughs> going up and there's guts all through this like hired Airbnb's like kitchen and stuff. I'm like, uh-oh, I'm going to get a bad rating. But see, when you don't know what you do, someone has to train you. Someone has to teach you these things, right? And so I'm, I'm picturing their dad like, oh, now you've got a fish, awesome. And he's teaching the kids how to descale. He's teaching the fish, you know, the, the kids how to like feel it along there and go along, miss the ribs, get the bones out. Like, I, I want you to catch the bonding moment in them learning how to fish, right? Like it's not just... The goal isn't them just doing, like the dad's not just trying to get them to be fishermen. He's also building this father-son relationship in teaching them to be fishermen. The thing I love about this statement is this is God going, it's not just what I'm going to make you, it's in the process of you being made. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do it. Like it's you and me. 
I'm not going to send you out there with YouTube clips and want you to do this by yourself. See, come to me and I want to make you. I want to do life with you. I want to show you. Watch me, work with me, learn from me. This is Jesus' heartbeat to you. Oh, do you get that? This is Jesus' heartbeat to you. Just come to me. Work with me. Walk with me. Learn from me. Jesus isn't sitting there going, at the end of your life, I'm going to get you to do a talent show and, and see if you impress me or not. Like, he's like, no, I want to make you something. Come, there's a difference. Come to me. Come to me. We'll finish with this. Sorry for going a touch over time. And says in the last verse, sorry if I get the Matthew 4, the last one up, please again. Come follow me. I'll show you how to fish for people. And they left their nets at once and followed him. The disciples saw something worth leaving their lives for and did it. We want to enjoy life together, right? Jesus is the one true Savior. Jesus is the one true God. He's the answer. He is everything. But I've seen people encounter Him and not enjoy church. And so they leave. And that's tough for me. But what I think we, we, we are creating and we're doing a really good job at it. Please hear me. I'm not talking down. We're doing a good job at it. But another part of our focus is are we creating a culture here where as good as Jesus is, people want to leave that life for this one. Yeah, we might look out there and go, oh, they're getting drunk every weekend. They're sleeping around every weekend. They're doing this and they're cheering for New South Wales and they have almond lattes like, oh, soy decaf. And all, oh, who are these people? And eating tofu. But, but here's the thing. Here's, here's, a, here's a powerful truth. You ready for this? This is powerful. As powerful as God is, Friendship is way up there. And so if people have all these friends in the life they're doing out there, even if they don't have the joy of God, they don't have the love of God, they don't have the peace of God, if they've got friends, that's really tough to leave if we're asking them to come in here and then we're not accepting them into our friendship circle. Oh, but I've... I've done life with this group for like 10 years or five years now. Like, oh, this newbie's not coming into my friendship circle. Awesome. Glad the Trinity didn't have that perspective when they were perfect and they wanted you. So, oh no, this is, but we just get each other. We just gel. Like, <laughs> Sorry. I hate, here's a statement I hate. I, sometimes preachers use this. I hear it at conferences all the time. I hate this flippant statement. Why walk with the turkeys when you can soar with the eagles? Here's why I hate it. If you get a chance to ever soar with any eagle, that eagle doesn't look up to you, but it looks down to you and gave you an opportunity to come up to it. Do you hear me? So don't 
see yourself as so royal and entitled. That eagle is doing you a favour. And now you're going, why would I hang out with them when I get an opportunity to hang out with the big guys? You're a little guy to them. You're a nobody to them. So if someone's inviting you out for dinner and helping you in your season of life and investing in you and pouring into you and teaching you, don't go, why would I hang out with these guys when these, you know, Pastor Graham invited me out for lunch and he invested so much into my marriage and how to be a father and finances. You're not adding anything to him. So who are you catching up with that they might not be adding anything to you, but you're just doing it to be a good Christian. (laughs) You're doing it because God made you a fisher of people. You're doing it to make disciples. Welcome people into your circle. When people come in here, we're not saying, let go of that, but then I'm not doing life with you. The disciples saw a life that was worth giving up their old life for. And they came in, they came into the house of God. They came into Jesus' presence. They said, this is better than that. Are people saying the same thing about here? As soon as people walk in, are we going, man, I've just had a hectic week and every Sunday I'm tired, every Sunday I'm busy, every Sunday the kids are rats. I I never want to invite everyone out for lunch. I never want to invite anyone over for dinner. I'm too tired, but no one invites me over for dinner either. No No one invites me out for lunch. I'm just, why don't we be that person? I hope you catch my heart here. It starts with you. It starts with you going, hey, why don't you come to my house? Hey, why don't you come into this friendship? So, hey, some friends and I, we're going to go get dinner next week. Why don't you come out? Why don't you come join us? Why don't you come in here? And I know you, you might not add anything to us, but I'm totally excited by the opportunity to invest in you. And I'm so excited for the opportunity for you to come and just enjoy life with us. Jesus is great. Sundays are great. Worship is great. But let's have fun together. I love hearing about it. Since we haven't done connect groups, it's been like five weeks. There's like pottery classes going on. There's potluck dinners going on. There's, there's uh, the girls, there's like a group of girls here. Oh my goodness. They do like hangouts three times a week and prayer meetings Tuesday mornings and all these things. I'm like, I love these spontaneous things happening. I love it. Because they're getting back to the heartbeat of, let's enjoy life together. Let's grow in Christ together. Let's love the lost together. So here's my thing I'm finishing with. As opposed to like, oh, who could invite me over this week? Who could you, in the next two weeks, two weeks, might be a busy week for you this week, two weeks, invite for a coffee or a hangout or dinner or something. You you initiate it though. And I'm looking at you young guys. I'm not talking about those single girls like, oh, yeah, I'll invite her out for a coffee. No, no, we're talking about enjoying life together, right? You, Slipping Denzel, keep it down, mate. If we initiate it, it becomes culture, right? And suddenly we're not all there feeling isolated going, no one invites me over for dinner. You invite, you, you want to, have friends, we'll be a friend. Let's enjoy life. Let's, let's create a culture here. People want to leave that life to join this. And as good as our services are, they want community. Pastor Phil says this, unless anyone, anyone who walks in our doors, unless they find seven uh, unique and strong relationships in the first six months they're leaving. 
seven connections, seven friendships in six months they're going. Let's be a friend, right? It's not just, we, oh, they're not, I'm going to be a friend. Here's the reason why. Jesus did it to me. That's why I want to do it. I wasn't worthy of being saved. I wasn't worthy of being accepted. I wasn't worthy of being invited out to, to, to be in Jesus' discipleship group. But he did it for me. Thank you, Lord. 